Chime in, anytime. <laughs> oh no, I'm enjoying this far too much. Haven't you ever seen a rare hairless Wookiee before? Oh. Always remember I am here. Always remember I am Not a Wookiee. Hello there, and welcome to episode 43! 43! Of Distant Echoes, a Star Wars podcast where we travel through the galaxy watching each episode of every Star Wars TV series in whatever order we please. 43! I'm your host, Tommy. And I'm your other host, Salvador Dali, Sith Lord. (laughs) And today, before we get into anything else... We're back, babies! We're back, babies! We are back, babies! 43! 43! Uh, There's no significance to that number. We took a break. We took a little bit of a break. We're back for season two. I guess we can call this season two. Why not? We can do whatever the hell we want. I already started to, so... Uh, And I'm I'm excited. I've been, like, vibrating, like, all day. Like... (laughs) what vibrating like a cell phone like i just been i don't know like i've been i've been wanting to get get into it's this great. it's a great time to be back there's so much shit going on For may the fourth was two days ago yeah we got a new logo new got, art yeah I it's mean, it's exciting it is so exciting um and not only that, but we, for people who don't know this, Cassie and I just don't talk off mic. Like, this is the only time Never. we have conversations. We sit in separate <laughs> rooms all day long after work and do not speak. No, 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 no. But it is, I have been missing, I have been missing this. It's like, yeah, it like, it prompts me to do so much, like... Just random, like, thinking. It's so cute. Thinking stuff. And no, especially, you're right, though. It is. It's great. Especially with what we're doing now. Holy shit, yeah. So, obviously, we talked about this at the end of our last series. Mm-hmm. We're diving into Star Wars Visions Season 2, Volume 2, whatever they whatever they call it. They call it both. Um, and holy Visions. shit, we're so excited if you can't tell like we're like again like i'm just like i'm still waking up from a nap but i am excited (laughs) that's my fault that was poor planning on your part cassie i needed i'm just kidding yeah so just some real quick before we dive into what we're talking about today which just to give you a spoiler if you don't know you should because you clicked into this (laughs) podcast we're actually going to be talking about the first episode of uh visions which is just titled sith visions And, and so we're just going to be talking about one episode today, just a little bit of housekeeping. We're going to do just the whole season in our normal cadence. We're going to be back to bi-weekly episodes. I know over the break, uh, we were kind of re-uploading our Vision Season 1 episodes, and we were kind of doing those at like just kind of a weird cadence, you know, but just wanted to keep the feed updated. We're going to be back every other Monday, so bi-weekly, which is our normal cadence. Um, but like I said, today we're just going to be focusing on the first episode, which really exciting for the next kind of every time we do the next three or four episodes yeah two episodes at a time we're gonna be of visions yes two episodes of a time at a time and we're bringing guests back Mm -hmm. guests are back guests are back and we've got all right 
We've got some some guests who have appeared on our vision series before. We've also got some new some new faces to, to talking new about voices. visions. Sorry, new voices talking about visions. Um, and some, but they also have faces. And some friends of the show that have never been on the pod before. So just really just really exciting. I, I like honestly, visions dropping was just such like it, I, the the show kind of dropping and like the first episode being nothing that I expected and everything I wanted has been like so energizing to me for like this fandom and ugh, I'm just I'm just I'm just happy. And Visions was actually really one of the first things we really dove deeply mm-hmm. into on the podcast. I yep. mean, we did we started Clone Wars, but then like four episodes <laughs> in, we kind of ditched that effort and yeah. then moved straight to Visions, which, which we'll get back to Clone Wars at some point. But. Yeah, speaking of actually, uh, we are going to get back to Clone Wars uh, at some point. Following our deep dive into Vision, so I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I believe it's like mid June is probably when we're going to wrap up mm-hmm. uh, Visions with our final kind of episode and final thoughts. Um, after that, we're going to go super heavy into Ahsoka's lore, deep diving into some of her most pivotal roles leading up to the launch of the Ahsoka show in August. And we're calling it Soka Summer. No. Oh. <laughs> I already forgot what you said it was called. What a, summer of Soka. It's the summer of Soka. Super Soka. The reason why that's so funny to me. Super Soka that hoe. I, I can't think of anything but uh, the summer of George, like from from Seinfeld, and I'm just like in my mind mashing Ahsoka and George Costanza. Can I put a picture? Can I put a picture of George Costanza in Clone Trooper armor and then also Soka with George Costanza's hairy body? I think that during the summer of Soka, we need to have Seinfeld Clone Wars memes like on a regular basis. Okay, I can do that. That's your challenge I can going totally forward, do that. Cassie. Well, there's a, isn't there like a painting? Isn't there a picture of... Wasn't there an episode? Was that the summer of, of uh, George episode where he... Had a picture with a family on the beach that wasn't his real no. family? Because that's what I'm thinking of. That's what no, I want to put Ahsoka into. That would be a good one. No, the Summer of George. The, man, we're already going down this rabbit hole. Summer, do of, it. summer of George was just something he set up where he's like, it's going to be the Summer of George. Oh. And he, a bunch of bad shit happens to him. So well, it, It's going to be the Ahs- Summer of Ahsoka. Ahsoka has nothing, no characteristics that align with George Costanza. But I don't know. I it's just fun. I challenge you to make a parallel. I mean, George Costanza did say a cab at one point. We talked. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> I talked about that on uh, Derek's podcast gimmicks, um, and I mean Ahsoka kind of does when she leaves the Jedi Order. So, oh hell yeah! I don't know. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's what's coming up, and another segue. <laughs> Speaking, I had to, we haven't done segues in so in a month, Cassie. We haven't been on a segue. We haven't done in a really long time. I have to get all of the segues out go today. Ahead, do it. Uh, and speaking of Ahsoka. We got the Ahsoka trailer. We oh, haven't yeah. we haven't talked about the Star Wars celebration stuff, you know, since we we've been doing the the podcast or since we had our podcast break, I should say. Um, so really quick, we thought we would just kind of like go through some of our highlights, um, some of the stuff that we were excited about. Live action Ahsoka trailer. Hell yeah! Both of us were like the back of Thrawn's neck. The Everybody b- was freaking out about Thrawn's neck. Yeah, Thrawn's neck was back, and Lars Mikkelsen is back as Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Speaking of... Mm-hmm. <laughs> another segue. Speaking of Thrawn's back, Thrawn is back as Lar- Lars Mikkelsen is back. Lars Mikkelsen's back is Thrawn's back. Lars Mikkelsen's neck is the back of Thrawn's neck. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're so excited about that. Uh, some other stuff that, that was announced that I think we can just 
quickly touch on stuff that that I think we're both excited about. Three new movies, yes, were announced. Um, James Mangold, who directed Logan, Indiana Jones, uh, mm-hmm. and The Dial of Destiny. Or, Logan is one of my favorite movies, by the way. It's so I've good. Told you that already. Um, he's going to be directing a movie. Uh, Dave Filoni is going to be a, directing oh, a movie. Yeah. And uh, Charmaine Obey-Chinoy also has uh, a film as well. I think everybody probably knows at this point what those are going to be about. But if you don't, James Mangold's film is going to focus on the Dawn of the Jedi. Um, Dave Filoni's. Dave's is going to focus on the New Republic era and connect to Mandalorian. I'm going to start reading those books. Like the High Republic? the High Republic. Yeah. Yeah, Just thinking about that. Yeah. And then uh, Charmaine's film is going to be After Rise of Skywalker. It's going to bring back Daisy Ridley. I love Daisy Ridley. Which is so exciting. Um, And then the other announcement we got, which we're super excited about, but also kind of a little sad, but I think it's kind of what we expected. We talked about it at the end of our Bad Batch Season 2 series. We're getting Bad Batch Season 3. And it's the third and final season. And it sounds like from them, text. Tech's definitely dead. So yeah, well, who knows? Um, there were tons of other stuff that kind of came out of uh, Star Wars celebrity. Was there anything that like stood out to you? Yeah, well, I'm excited about this High Republic show movie. Oh, I thought it was a TV show. No, it's a movie. Yeah, that's one of the, oh, one of the movies. movies. Well, I'm really excited about that movie. Yeah, I think it looks dope as shit. They said it's gonna be like a um, even though we didn't really we didn't see a trailer, but we we saw like. They said one of the actresses, which everyone probably already knows by now because this was like a month ago, but one thing that stood out was she called it, um, the I guess the director envisioned it as an idea between Frozen and um, Kill Bill, it, which I thought was... I don't remember that, but yes, okay, cool. Yes, that's what she said, and I was like, okay, this sounds incredible. I also, didn't they describe it as like a almost like a Jesus epic or something? Not a Jesus epic, but like... I don't that part but <laughs> someone described it like kung, like a lot of like martial arts with you know lightsabers which is incredible and it just i don't know it just looks really badass a lot of really powerful like female figures seem to be in it um we again i was excited about the trailer of ahsoka of course i was actually really excited and giddy about just listening to D. Bradley Baker mm-hmm. talking all of his different voices at Star Wars Celebration and also finally getting to see little Leia on stage because she so didn't good. get to be there last time because she was the giant, the biggest spoiler in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so she is so poised and smart and just adorable. Yeah. And I'm always ugh. like hesitant when it comes to child actors because I'm like, how much is that like of that is their parents like pushing them and like is she? She seems but she so, seems so excited, well excited, like genuinely, yeah. like yeah, she's having the time of her life. Really cool. Yeah, you watched more of the celebration panels, I think, than I, I watched, did. Like all of you it. Watched, like all of it. Yeah, um, it, it was. was I loved it. it was I cool. loved all of it. Um, it was really I, cool. The pictures I saw online, real quick, I will say, looked like I don't know if I would want to go to that because that would. looked absolutely horrendous. If in I terms had Xanax, I would. <laughs> um, the other thing I loved randomly, not not even just like aside from all the media and stuff that we got, because we've covered, we're going to cover that, and then we've also seen a lot of that. Everyone's already seen a lot of that. Um, I speaking of actors coming out i loved when hayden christensen came out he was was almost in tears he was just so honored and proud and happy and pleased it was um it was just so comforting and sweet especially because we unfortunately you know there is this dissidence still with the prequel trilogies and a lot of things that happen in that that just kind of divides a lot of the Star Wars fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, even with the newer movies, there's a lot of division going on very similarly. Yeah. And 
Hayden Christensen was kind of part of that. And I feel like he's been able to, he didn't need to redeem himself, but he's had this redemption arc, I feel like, with um, Kenobi and revitalizing his character in a way that's been very positive that he deserves because it's great. It's just great. Like he, there was never anything wrong with Anakin. I don't want to say that there I feel like there was a lot of I mean, things well, that were be, frustrating with the acting and the dialogue that Anakin George Lucas... Anakin has a lot going on. Well, I the meant like... I know what you mean. In the prequel trilogies, a lot of the frustration with the acting and the characterization comes from the fact that George Lucas is a doofus. But the actors have always been incredible actors. Yeah. I mean, we And could, that it just comes to show that, given the fact that, you know, King Christensen takes on Dave Filoni's Anakin and is perfection. I mean, it's just incredible. And I will say that his portrayal of Darth Vader and Kenobi is probably one of my favorite things that I've seen in star Wars ever. Like it, it's still just so good. It's just so good. It's, I mean, I think it's cyclical, right. Of like the, like there's a ton of hate that pops up right around stuff like this. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 it's again it's that cyclical nature like we grew up with the prequels as kind of like they weren't the first movies we necessarily watched i don't believe but like they were the ones that were like they were for me because i remember going to see them and not really knowing what was going on because it was like middle school when it first started Mm -hmm. and i remember like all the all the toys and stuff at mcdonald's like yeah it just was that was that was star wars for me when i was a kid but i think i think like with the way that worked right like those came out a lot of the die hard quote end quote star wars fans hated them yeah. right because they were so different but they were like more for like a younger audience mm-hmm. and then us the younger audience that consume them have this nostalgia for them right like yeah and i'll be honest like going back and rewatching them like i i enjoy going back and rewatching them there's a lot of times when I rewatch it and I'm just like, ooh, like, I don't know if I still, oh, absolutely, you know, yeah. which again, I still have fun when I watch them. Most of that is still George Lucas's fault. Though. Right. Like you watch right. it and you go, why did he do that? But like, <laughs> but I think, so I think there is like this beloved feeling for it. And I think we're going to have that same thing. And we're already starting to have it the same thing for the sequel trilogy, absolutely. because like so many people kind of not grew up watching it. But I, I think that the. I think one thing that happens a lot with fandoms is like the online deep or not even just online, but like the deep fan discourse, like just skews so far in one direction a lot of the times that like the average, like your average viewers and your average fans are like, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I enjoyed this. Like, I really like this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. So anyway, I all that's to say I yeah. was kind of with you the same thing about um Hayden Christensen, I like teared up honestly. Like when he in like the whole panel, like mostly he didn't even really talk that much. Mm -hmm. If I remember the video, and and we can try to share it out if if for anybody who hasn't seen it. But it's so if you're a fan of the prequels and you're a fan of Hayden Christensen, you should really watch it because it's a moment where he just like he just gets the love like in in the room that he just wasn't getting at the time that like the films were made and and even a little bit after like mm-hmm. and you can just see him like visibly be kind of emotional like in the moment. it's it's a very Absolutely. it's a very beautiful thing and i i think everyone should watch it but yeah i i, I i'm glad you called that out cuz that stuck with me as well mm-hmm. so let's get into it 
Let's get into it. So I have a lot of background information. Again, we're mostly talking about today. We're going to spend the, the bulk of the time. Well, actually, we're going to spend the bulk of the time talking about visions as a whole and kind mm-hmm. of setting up, setting everything. up. And and honestly, some of the background stuff, because I think what visions has become is really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to kind of kick it off, you know, we covered a ton in our first series on uh, how did visions come about um, specifically with volume one? Uh, those episodes, again, we re-uploaded those. If you haven't listened to them and you're going through season one of visions, go, you don't have to go that far back. They're the, they're kind of in order. They're a little bit, you know, older. So like, <laughs> forgive us quality, but I think actually they were still pretty fine. Like I was Absolutely, re-listening back yeah. to all of them. Um, and, and we had that sound like we're talking into a tomato soup can, but that's okay. I think it was just the one. We actually were, so. <laughs> yeah, we actually have this weird setup. Where we were being experimental that day. We're, spo- we're actually sponsored by Campbell's. And no. they give us, we have the... the Mm-mm, good. Isn't that their slogan? Mm-mm, good. Not a sponsor. But also, <laughs> that was the joke, is that they are a sponsor, but they're not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you want to go back and just, if you're re-watching this whole thing kind of at once, or go back and check those out. Um, I think they're, they're still good listens. And we have a lot of great guests on those that had a lot of really interesting insights into what Visions was. Um, But a really quick description of what Visions actually is. Visions is an anthology-style series. It invites guest studios to develop short animated features that are outside, we'll say, um, the established lore. Not to say that they're, like, you know, not canon, or not to say... I mean, they're not, but, like, they're not also... I feel like they're not also legend. They're just in this... They're just in their own space, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're just kind of interpretations of mm-hmm. Star Wars ideas. They're interpretations of the Star Wars mythos. Um, and I think that's really important to keep in mind as we're going through, especially this episode, because the one that we're going to talk about today is so stylistic and so very... It's so out of what you're expecting mm-hmm. to get, right? From something that has like the Star Wars moniker, but that's okay. That's Absolutely. not. In fact, I think it's that it's more than okay. It's more than okay. It's beautiful and it meets the mark beautifully of what they're trying to do with Vision. So mm-hmm. season one was predominantly, and honestly, I don't even, I don't even, predominantly is not the right word because it was literally all of them. Uh, it was just Japanese anime studios. Mm-hmm. That came aboard and developed episodes. And they had some larger ones. Um, I think Studio Trigger mm-hmm. was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also had some smaller ones, right? Like mm-hmm. that kind of jumped on board to make some episodes. Um, and season two took a, is taking, or has taken, took, take, taken, um, a similar approach. Thank you for that. Yes. Uh, just conjugate the Thank verb. for that literary endeavor. Uh, yeah. So it's taking a similar approach and inviting a mix of big and small studios. I'm not going to go through all of the studios that are involved right now, but... We're going to go through them when we get there yep. so you can remember what they're from. And yeah. we've actually based our guest on kind of what we know yeah. they're interested in, uh, which we did last time too, so cannot yeah. wait. It's going to Re- be great. Really excited about that. Um one thing that they, they kind of broke the mold on this year was like not bringing in just like, oh, we're just having, you know, animation studios from Japan. We're going to have animation studios from here. Which I loved because I think it wasn't, I think it was poignant to make that oh. the first season because there's, again, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is so steeped in Eastern lore and Eastern culture. And so yeah. there's a lot of reverence for that. But the bigger thing that we got out of that was the love of Star Wars that so many cultures have yes. and how they see it. 
Um, and so that's it's like the next expansion, basically. It's really cool. And that's the through line we're really going to get with this this season. Um, so again, not just one country represented. Uh, in season two, we have features from Madrid, Ireland, Chile, England, South Korea, France, India, Japan, and South Africa. Oh, that's it's, cool. I mean, it's just such it. We get like this broad kind of diversity in styles not just in like visual styles but in storytelling styles and voice actors voice acting as well you're probably gonna say this Mm -hmm. but the first one i just watched the little extras that you told me to watch uh and it was great it you know the voice actors both voice actors for the sith lord and for um lola yep were the same voice actor in the spanish and american version and or english version um, because they speak both languages. It's and I love that. I think that's it's so perfect. Cool. It's yeah. so cool. Um, and I don't know if that's a through line that we're gonna see throughout all sure. of these. I, I have this noted later when we talk about like the cast and crew, but the director actually specifically said he wanted someone, he wanted actors who could do it in both languages because he wanted to kind of create a very similar but different, you know, inter- like not interpretation for each, but he well, wanted he didn't to do want that. The interpretation to. Hi, Gracie. Yeah. You wanted the interpretation not to be skewed by the language because sometimes when you have subtitles, the interpretation changes. And so the person who understands Spanish can retranslate that. Yeah, Gracie. Can retranslate that into English and keep the same resonance. Yeah. Or do it, I don't even know which way they did it first, to, to, to be quite honest. Um, I know that in the featurette, um, one of the, the one of the actresses, the act the actress that plays Lola mm-hmm. spoke Spanish the whole time you yep. know, during the interview. So it, it may be that she recorded, they recorded in you know Spanish first and mm-hmm. then kind of translated over it. Regardless, I think that this is just such a, this is just such a really strong decision for this episode. And I think for the season as a whole to give, let these, these creators kind of have like whole ownership, right. Mm-hmm. To, to put their interpretation of Star Wars into these stories. And and actually, I want to talk about that a little bit because speaking of that featurette, the filmmaker focus, which we're going to talk a lot about some of the interviews that happened in the, the filmmaker focus. This is in the extra section on uh, if you're watching on Disney Plus. It's just you just kind of go over and I don't know, click extras, whatever. I don't know why I'm describing how to get to it, but but it's called filmmaker focus. And I don't know if there's one for every single episode, but there's kind of one as a whole where they kind of I think there is splice in for for, for you know parts from each episode um, and stuff like that. But they're re- they're they're well worth your time um, just to kind of check those out if you haven't, um, especially if you're interested in kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff. It's not steeped in behind the scenes stuff. It's more ideological, mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoy. And it, within that, um, Jackie Lopez, I think. I think it's 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 pronounced Jackie. Uh, she's an executive producer at uh, Lucas Films, uh, and she talked about being at Star Wars Celebration after the first season premiered, and how cool it was to see people connected with the characters and see them like cosplay and have that representation. What was amazing about Star Wars Celebration was to finally be in a room with an audience that reacted so amazingly and connected with the stories was such a treat like they love it they love it (laughs) and i just think that that's so like important right like that's so important um she went on to say 
uh, and and I think this really hits the sentiment of the kind of good feelings I have for the potential of this season uh, and the show moving forward is, uh, and and I may splice in her her quote here. I don't know, or I might just say it, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. But she goes on to say, what makes what makes it so unique and authentic is that everyone has their history and is influenced by those stories just from growing up in a different country. Kathleen Kennedy, uh, in that kind of same featurette, talks about some of the same stuff and mentions how animation, how they let the animation studios kind of explore themes, ideas, and do things they want they couldn't do. Um, the, the animation lets them do that kind of in in a way that they can't do in live action. And also talked about how they're not they didn't really limit them. Well, I think all storytelling is global. Visions is something that's starting in Japan, but it's now throughout the rest of the world. We're just sitting back, waiting to see what those interpretations look like inside different cultures. Animation takes us into a world that we can't necessarily explore in live action. You get this surprising burst of color, amazing sense of style. I've been very surprised by the emotion in the storytelling. I find that I just have a huge smile on my face every time I'm looking at what they're doing and how they're interpreting Star Wars. Now, I don't know how true that is, like the limitation piece, but you do get a very kind of, especially in Sith, you get this like raw, like, I don't want to say raw because raw kind of has a negative connotation. Well, we talked about, we're going to get into this, but Mm -hmm. we can go ahead and get into this. We... I remember seeing the trailer and going, it's so fascinating. And I do not mean this in a demeaning way. Please, no one take it like this. But I think everyone had the same idea that there's this rawness of animation facet juxtaposed with this highly complex, talented design. Like, clearly, this is not a like a first time kind of like animation studio, but at the same time, there's this reminder of kind of like um, the first season of Clone Wars on a, almost like where the character, especially Lola's face, um, she has like very complex emotional like action in her face, but at the same time, it for some reason reminded me of like the first draft of a video game before yeah. they have all the graphics compiled in. Like, it feels like that. Yeah. But at the same time, there's this... Actually, we've talked about this. It, it also kind of reminded me of pe- episodes of Bad Batch, especially the second season where there's this painterly, very poignant in this, this yes episode this very painterly expression of color and movement Mm -hmm. in the graphic design that is juxtaposed with this very like fast um smooth kind of um animation yeah and it's just gorgeous Mm -hmm. i mean again one of my favorite i'm sorry i'm hopping around i know you wrote the outline but thinking about the animation and the art style of it um one kind of like thing I always like to harken back to for every Visions episode we did this last season too was when we talked about the lightsabers and how we always get a different new yeah. lightsaber in every single episode mm-hmm. and we always get a different style of lightsaber. And these ones, um, two things very struck me about the lightsabers, if you don't mind me going ahead and talking Go about it. them. The first is the sparks that they emitted when they were 
um, hit struck against things like metal and stuff, mm-hmm. almost like a soldering iron or something like that was really cool. We've never really seen that before. We've seen it in small instances where in Clone Wars and stuff, they like cut open holes and stuff, but a very like consistent draw of light. And then we actually, um, so according to the director and producer of this episode, the, the actual swords were modeled off of like Spanish, like conquistadors or like mm-hmm. from the myth of, or in legends of, of Spain of the um, heroes that had different swords. So we see like a rapier, like hilt with Lola. And we see this um, scimitar S sword that they, uh, that the Sith Lord has. So that's really dope. Yeah, and, uh, which we haven't seen before, so that's cool. And we'll talk about like the fight itself, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we'll talk more about the lightsabers. But yeah, th- there's when I say like the 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 director, and let me just go ahead and just go into the yeah, director sorry. a little bit. No, 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 you're you're right on you're right on target because that's that's kind of the next thing I, I mean, want to talk about. The episode itself, I think, is like maybe twelve minutes long. Oh so. yeah, they're all they're all super short. Yeah, one thing about visions is there you get like I think the span of time it's usually between like. I think on average they're probably like fifteen minutes. Yeah. Um. So they're they're shorts. They're like short shorts. Um. Who short wears shorts? Yeah. Who wears short shorts? Vision wears short shorts. That's true. Um. Now I'm just seeing Vision. Vision the super. Yeah. In short shorts. <laughs> anybody, not a bad idea. Anybody out there, aka Cassie, you can just do this too. Just put Vision in short shorts. You're literally taking a note. Keep talking. <laughs> um. So, yeah, let's just jump into the studio because uh, that was the next thing that I actually wanted to talk about. One last final thing on kind of the production of Visions as a whole. Uh, James Wow, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm probably not um, as well. Uh, he's an executive producer. He talked about how they really wanted to find uh, not just the big studios, uh, which they did, but they also wanted to find, and I quote, uh, who's really inspiring out there who are the new studios that are in this new bold global animation landscape love it and it's a perfect segue into talking about el it's uh el giri i believe is how you pronounce it and it's it's a studio out of japan or out of japan oh my gosh (laughs) out of madrid uh, I'm still in Vision Season 1, Mindspace, as you can see. It's in Studio Ghibli. It's Studio Giri. Right. Uh, uh, and Giri... Oh, my gosh. I'm pronouncing you're it. you're pronouncing it in Fuck. Japanese. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Giri. So, Giri in, in Spanish actually means tourist. Um, and this is actually from the studio's website. They say, in Spanish, Giri means you're a tourist. In our opinion, it highlights the beauty of migration and diversity in the animation industry. Ooh. The animation industry is a melting pot of talent from all over the world. Just take a look at the credits of your favorite film. So embrace your inner Giri and enjoy the magic of exploring new places and cultures. I love that. And I, like... When I tell you, Cassie, that like I read that on their site as I was putting this together, and I was like, "This is exactly what like visions absolutely is like." Yeah. It's such, it's such, it's just such a beautiful sentiment. One, but it's also such a really cool, like it's a it, mm-hmm. they picked a phenomenal opener like for the season. They I really think did. Um, in Studio Geary. I also just wanted to note they said that. So you were talking about how this feels like a little bit of an older like that like they've been doing this for a while or, or something you mentioned something about there's like there's like this there's like this complexity between looking like a new animation studio and a very experienced mm-hmm. studio so I they th- that filmmaker focus Although i know nothing uh, guys i know nothing about animation they, like in reality yeah <laughs> they actually said that they created the studio with the production of this short wow. um so shit. it's a relatively new studio but 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 i'm a little confused because their linkedin says something about you know it 
them having like done stuff in like 2017. I'm wondering if maybe that because they are a group of a whole bunch of different people, mm-hmm. maybe that's just showing some of their own experience. Yeah. So you're 100% right about that because. Bingo. Yeah, bingo. Um, so, yes, there there is a collection of like really talented and really, um, I would say people who have worked on prominent like animated stuff so the director uh rodrigo blas uh who's the he's also the co-founder of uh elgiri studio he's worked with blue sky studios pixar and has worked on projects like ice age finding nemo and ratatouille oh holy shit yeah and he's probably most well known as the showrunner for guillermo del toro's troll hunter series Okay, I don't know what that is, but I need to fucking see. What I want to watch is. that too. It's like I won love, a bunch of awards. I thought you were gonna. I just thought you were gonna say Guillermo del Toro. Who, mm-hmm. You know, we love our Guillermo. We love our Guillermo. Um, we also love our uh, Guillermo from uh, what we do in the shadows. Yeah, all of those, and I don't know about you, Cass, but I could see and feel those connections. Like once I kind of knew that Absolutely. was a thing, like yeah. in the short, like I felt like it very much felt like there was a lot of like drawing from old inspirations, mm-hmm. like from, from working on those, those shorts. Um, it, but I will say according to their website slash LinkedIn, it says they specialize in pre-production for high end CG animation. So, and, and there's other folks obviously at the studio and it lists a lot of their credits and stuff like that too. So well, you said they specialize in pre-production. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if part of that is kind of why it has, some of it has a stylistic like pre-production style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet it, again, it is, I'm not saying that it is raw or on drafting table style. No. It's like a very purposeful juxtaposition between this rawness and this. It's like a drafting board style, but that's kind of like. That's what the episode is. Yeah, because it's about an artist who hasn't completed a painting. So mm-hmm. let's get into this episode. Yeah, let's get into the actual episode. Um, that's a great transition. Great 43. segue. 43. Uh, so episode one, the Sith, the Disney Plus description. I think it's just called Sith. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. It is just called Sith. Uh, The Disney Plus description for this is a former Sith apprentice finds their peaceful life threatened. Mm -hmm. Um, This, like I said, was written and directed by Rodrigo Blas. Um, I already mentioned earlier his credits. The cast. So so Lola is portrayed by Ursula Cabrero. um, And she's probably actually most well known for her role as Tokyo in the show Money Heist, which I have heard about Money Heist a lot recently. Yeah, what is Money Heist? So it is. I'm sure a, I'll hear about it now that I know it exists. I believe it is a Spanish uh, show that was developed by Netflix or for Netflix, something like that. But it's just like blown up and people love it. Hmm. Um, and I know it's something. One of my coworkers actually was telling me about it. it. It's like they're all of the characters are like named after different countries and stuff like that. And so she plays Tokyo. Um, I think there's like another character. I don't know. I don't know any of the other characters' names, but they're all places. Hmm. Um, and it looks really interesting. Um, I actually watched an interview of of her on Jimmy Fallon, um, and it was her first time being on like like U.S. late night TV, and it was it was just is cool. she Japanese? No, she's she's Spanish. Oh, okay. Well, you just said her name is Tokyo. Her sh- her I- name is Tokyo in the show. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay. I don't know. I didn't know if each character who had a different name was no. like, from that place or what. No, that's a good. You're that's like, a good thought. She's I- Spanish. I'm like, well, I'm just asking. No, Your that's name's a- Tokyo. <laughs> I, I I that's a I would have thought that too, uh, honestly. But like, it's just like I think just random. I don't know got much it, about the got show, it, got but it, got it. um, yeah, that's that's the one thing I do know. And then we have Luis Tosar as Sith Master. Um, he plays Sergio in the Sith f- Master Funk. No. <laughs> he plays Sergio in the film. Uh, Fatum and Rog- Rogelio in the TV series Sky High, uh, which I think is another. I think that's another Sounds Netflix familiar, series. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to shout out the filmmaker focus here again because even though everywhere I've seen them talk about the Sith Lord 
or Sith Master as being unnamed. Um, I noticed that Rodrigo referred to the character as Lord Kutu. Yeah. In mm-hmm. the filmmaker focus. They never say their name, Mm-mm. I don't think. I didn't honestly look at the credits. I should probably should have done that, but like I don't know if it's credited as such. But everywhere I've seen it, like Wikipedia and stuff like that, it's listed as just like unnamed Sith yeah. master. And he I says Lord Kuto. Say yeah. yeah. So I tried to see if there was like a connection or like what that could possibly, you know, be referring to or if it was mm-hmm. referring to anything. I couldn't find anything. Um and it might even just be something that that's what they referred to him as or them internally. Um but yeah. I just thought that was cool. And then we have E2, who is the um, the droid, but uncredited. I didn't Love see it. who did any this voice for that. spiderly orb droid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting into the actual episode itself, this is, I'm just going to preface by saying this is probably the hardest episode to talk about. Not the hardest to talk about, because I think we can talk about it analytically, but to talk about like the actual things that happen, because yes. so much of this episode draws on the animation style yes. and the very kind of abstract nature of how this episode is portraying the Force mm-hmm. and Force users and the relationship between like light and dark. So Absolutely. I do just want to preface by saying that if for some reason you're a person who listens to these episodes and you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor, just pause, watch the episode, because mm-hmm. we're going to be like more talking about, I think, like ideas and concepts ideology and, and concepts. Yeah. Um, like, literally, the basic story is that if you don't mind, in less than a minute, let me try to sum it up. Go for it. There is a former Sith apprentice named Lola who is living on some desolate planet, probably, presumably, to escape her master, who we find out has been trying to find her. She has a droid little spider named E2, and she uses the Force to create art. However, she seems to be having a artist block. Um, for lack of better term, and what she's drawing inspiration from and using the force. She also has a robotic arm, which I really think is cool because she uses that primarily to conjure the force, which is something we haven't seen before. I mean, I guess we've seen it with semi-organic, semi, you know, grievous, but not with a centrally humanoid person. But that's also one of those... Star Wars tie-ins. Yep, exactly. Precisely. So they've always had these like really cool like... Anakin, yeah. Luke, mm-hmm. et cetera. Someone always the loses rest. an arm. You got to lose an arm, dude. That's part of it. You got to lose an arm. Anyway, um, so she goes out onto the planet um, and she sees like a crash site or what she presumes is a crash site. However, it is a trap um, from her former Sith Lord master who wants to bring her back into the fold. And interestingly, which actually maybe not interestingly because part of the Sith coda that we know about is that you have to destroy your master to become the master and he eagerly wants her to destroy him in battle Mm -hmm. and they fight have this amazing lightsaber battle and she realizes that um she is both light and dark and that that is where her creativity springs from. That is the font of her creativity. She does destroy her master. However, she decides to remain on the planet. And she creates this beautiful painting that actually is the face of her master. You're so I think beautiful. that's about it. You're so beautiful. You are. Sorry. Mom. One cat was meowing a few minutes ago. The other one just picking randomly at a door jam. Yeah, you did You did a great job. Like, obviously, like, the plot details are... They're not, like, super... It's not a super plotty Mm-mm. episode, and I think that was kind of the, the thing I was it's getting at. It's about art, and yeah. the art itself is gorgeous. Can I say one of my favorite things was when she wakes up, and there's a cof- like a coffee pot, 
and like the coffee comes out in this weird glob. Oh yes. I don't know why, but I love that. There's all these cool spherical, like the paint mm-hmm. has a mind of its own, and like I'm already starting. So. No, no, that's perfect. And I, I do, I want to touch on the paint a little bit because when we see some behind the scenes stuff from this, I don't know if you caught this, but when they were talking about like developing this episode, one of the things that they did that I saw was that they actually use practical like effects not i shouldn't sorry let me let me back up Mm -hmm. they did a lot of practical work to like make sure that stuff looked right so they you actually see them taking drops of paint and dropping them into water and then you see like the orbs kind of like spread out looks like yes it's beautiful and so that is like a very like it's a very cool thing that they did Mm -hmm. to make sure that they were getting like they were getting it like just right and it looks like the force like if you look at like a lava lamp like there's this very magical force like kind of tenacity of the medium um and as a painter as like a part like a not a part-time not a part-time painter but like on my own time painter it was very uh poignant it was it felt it felt very right i don't know why i said it was as if i'm also a part-time painter. you are not you are (laughs) uh no but i do want to so like just really quickly just to to dive in a little bit deeper um the it kind of opened right on this like super stylized almost empty space that's just filled with like white we talked about that pre-production element of like th- this is a, a studio that's you know kind of like specializes in it. We see like unfinished hands. We see like you know stairs that haven't been painted in, right? Mm-hmm. Or or I just thought about this now. Maybe they have been painted. They've been painted white, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think it's just kind of all been painted with that really There's bright color. There's a blank canvas at the very beginning. There's a blank mm-hmm. canvas at the very beginning. Um, it starts off. It follows the droid uh, E2 who just travels through that bright unfinished world to a sleeping person, and we see that they're kind of surrounded by darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, He wakes her up. She gets up, gets her coffee. She talks about there being an eclipse. Yes. Which I thought was very fascinating to me of like eclipses, obviously something covering up the light. Also like a, like eclipses are usually in an event. An event, That signifies something else that's very magical Mm -hmm. or in any kind of media. Yep. Um, And then... After that, she says, well, maybe it'll be give me the inspiration I need to finish the painting. Mm-hmm. She goes, she grabs water out of the coffee pot mm-hmm. and just changes it into color, which I thought was really cool. So amazing. And then all of a sudden it turns black. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when we get the splash screen of, it's the the splash screen of the, the logo, the title Sith. And it's, Sith is in white and everything else is just this like splattering of colors. Yeah. Um, that was another thing I noticed in the behind the scenes was they were doing like paint splatters, right? Mm-hmm. I think so they were like seeing like how paint splatter yeah. paint actually like lands that's and stuff so like that. That's so great. I mean, all the best animator animation studios are going to do that. They're going to live in whatever medium they're trying to create or replicate. You mm-hmm. have to do that, whatever it is. If yeah. you don't know what hair looks like because you're bald, you need to go put on a wig. You need to go get go, hair. You need to go get hair. You know, if you don't know how spaghetti works, go throw some spaghetti at a wall. Yeah. Like, you, you just need to do that. Yeah, and so it kind of follows her. You, like you mentioned, she starts painting, right? And she's trying to, she talks about how, like, some of the dark, like, just won't, she can't get it to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and as she's walking, you see that, like, the darkness, like, spreads, like, on her steps. Like, mm-hmm. um, she goes up the stairs into this dark corridor, and... We see the eyes of her Sith Master. We see the eyes of her Sith Master, yeah. And it's like, we see her painting, we see her doing kind of her thing, and she's like, it just won't go away. 
and that made me wonder. I was like, well, does his do his eyes just keep popping up? Oh, like, so and creepy. she's not actually yeah. painting it. Um, and so we already kind of see this like interesting relationship with the force, with dark, you know, the dark side, the light side of like the dark side still creeping in. We are at this point. We kind of we don't know that she's a Sith. I mean, we guess we kind of do because of the title. But I didn't, like, I didn't read the title, and I didn't think about that. I had no idea. Yeah, so like... I thought, I had told you, I thought maybe her Sith Lord was an Inquisitor coming to find a Jedi. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, Because, you know, that's kind of the era that yeah. we're in of Star Wars. But I was completely wrong because obviously the conversation they have is, you know, you need to come back to me. You need to destroy me. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a good call out. Um, because like, again, at this point, we don't know. And that's why the darkness is compelling her because she's like, I can't get rid of it. Yeah, but like, now, once we know, yeah, it is that thing of like, she has it's not and we'll talk about this once we get towards the end but she has the darkness like yeah. she has that inside of her um but anyway like you said she gets like this alert there's been um it's actually like a i don't know what it's for but i think she says it's a um i thought it was like maybe a specific reference to star wars but it was like uh it was like a beacon it was beacon mm-hmm. seven and sector seven or something like that it was that. destroyed though we come to find out yeah. that he destroyed it to lure her but she has this cool i also want to mention that she has this cool uh car too which is Holy like a giant shit. circle yeah. um they actually very anxiety inducing it is i would never get into a car like that i also wanted to shout out too um they mentioned in the behind the scenes that this actually isn't a planet it's a destroyed asteroid it's actually like a that's dope it's like a and you kind of see this at the end but it's it's everything so abstract it's hard to like parse sometimes what is what but it's this like almost kind of like claw shaped asteroid that had like something hit it and like it's almost kind of like a halo it's like a ring world and the shape um the world itself is very monochromatic Yes, it is. Uh, which mm-hmm. is really cool because she's got all these colors and art inside her little den, but then yeah. the outside is very drab and monochromatic. And what's so fascinating to me is when she arrives, right, at the crash site um, and her master arrives, that's when it goes from monochromatic to it's flooded with just this red and orange color. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when, like, the action, like, really picks up. The music, too, I want to talk a little bit about the score. I think this is really well scored. Beautiful. It's... Um, it has this kind of like almost techno-y aspect to it uh, or electronica aspect, but it also has like an orca- orchestration as well. So it has like these elements of like new Star Wars, old Star Wars, like all kind of building. And there's like these lots of these moments of just like they just like in the, the episode where they use like white space really well. And we'll talk a little bit about white space, I think, in a minute. They use white space really well. They also use silence really well and like quietness Mm -hmm. in the sound design of this episode it all just works together so fucking well um in creating like this whole picture of what this story actually is Mm -hmm. so anyway like you said they kind of head back to the to the place um she's able to destroy the two there's like two droids that are with him i think they're both droids um, Dude, they're badass looking though they are cool uh, she destroys one of them and then her droid her droid e2 turns into a fucking gun and blows the other guy's head off yes. and then that's when we get kind of the the pivotal meeting of the master and the apprentice of he shows back up he actually rips e2's legs off it was really brutal mm-hmm. um i was really nervous about in that you in that gasped. moment i was like audibly <gasps> Uh, don't hurt droids. You ain't got to hurt droids. Yeah, 
they'll fuck you up. I'll get chopper on you. That's like when a like a animal like gets hurt. It really is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but they go into this corridor, right? And this is where we start getting those the looks at the lightsaber. So you mentioned this how the lightsabers the, the director actually said the lightsabers in the ship that she drives at the end were two of the things that he first thought about mm-hmm. when designing this. And I thought that was so fascinating because we picked up on in the first season of like the lightsaber differences, there is right? Definitely a connection. Like I don't know. This has got to be something. We can't be the only people that notice oh, no, this. No, but no, like no. the lightsaber differential in every single episode is like their iconic thing. It's yeah. like, what are they going to do with the lightsabers? And there's two very specific things I w- want to talk about with it regards to the lightsabers. So first, it's the design. So the Sith Master has this kind of like overpowering i think you might have mentioned this already this like swashbuckling style lightsaber Mm -hmm. that's what the director kind of described it as Mm -hmm. um kind of like a conquistador kind of Mm -hmm. sword and she lola it's like a pirate sword it's like a rapier it's dope um the hilt swashbuckler in like a cooler way (laughs) yeah the hilt has that kind of like rapier cage very thin yeah it's Mm -hmm. got a uh what's it called what's a pommel yes the pommel, yeah, the no, pommel. the pommel is the long part. Hold on. You keep talking. I'm going to... The butt. The butt. She touched the butt. Yeah, and so... The, the cross guard. The cross guard, yes. The cross guard is on the pommel, yeah, right? The like, cross yeah. guard is the thing that yep. is above the... Um, it's kind of what the top of your fist sits across. Protects your fist from the rest yeah. of the sword. And, and, Which, um, honestly, you should have with a fucking lightsaber. Sure, yeah. I mean, there's probably... <laughs> it's probably, like very practical. There's probably a lot of protective gear you should have with a lightsaber that uh, you don't. Yeah. Um, but the, the... So the Sith Lord actually says i see you've made your own to her yeah. because she pulls out her lightsaber and is yellow she's very ahsoka like yeah. and that's the other thing i want to touch on well the ahsoka thing we'll get to but the other thing i want to touch on with the lightsabers is uh the director talked about the colors being specific mm-hmm. so yellow and red are very he th- says that is very important to spanish culture that's the the the, the national flag of spain mm-hmm. is red and yellow yeah so they use they use those colors like very well i think they also like use the light right like very very intentionally where like the light in that scene in the corridor is like mostly coming off of their lightsaber so you have this mm-hmm. very like orange like yellow like kind of sparks, red like flying mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and juicy yeah, um, and and it's just really cool that they put that much detail into something that arguably is like very small and is already re- really designed. We're but that's what we're seeing. seeing, like a muted, soft, like light coming from a lightsaber. Not, yeah, not like sparks from like an engine or like something very more mechanical. It's very cool. Yeah. A- after that moment, they kind of have this fight, and this is where it gets like really abstract a little bit, but um, he overpowers her initially, and he tells her, you belong by my side, and then uh, we get this scene where she reveals her work to him. She kind of like goes, she like slams her like sword to like her like her sword, her lightsaber to her knees, uh, kind of like motion, and all of the darkness goes away and all the light appears. Um, and, and she has the revelation that she is both. That she well, has she, to have both. Yeah, but before that even happens, he's like, this is what you left me for. And he's like, you belong with the darkness. And he mm-hmm. kind of sends, he has like this kind of innate ability to make things dark as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's like psychological or like what that is, but he like literally sends, it kind of reminded me of a little bit of like Samurai Jack kind of yeah. style of like these streaks of darkness mm-hmm. towards her. And that's when she has the realization, she like goes to pick up the darkness like she picks up the, the like the dark paint and she has that kind of like 
you know, like you said, that realization, because he says darkness is your destiny. And she, I think that kind of like lets her know, like, this is part of you. Like, you can't run. You can't run from your past. You can't mm-hmm. run from the things that you've done. It's still part of you. And that's when she hits like the other side of her lightsaber and a fucking red it's lightsaber dumb. comes out. Yeah. And the red lightsaber was, I mean, I think we can infer. Probably part of her original. That was her original lightsaber. Crystal, yeah. And she just, after that happens, she just immediately takes him down. Um, she's, he says to her, um, you did it makes well. makes me wonder, like, was he really there to begin with? Because his body disintegrates in this weird way. That's a good but question. I guess like sometimes Jedi and Sith die in weird ways. I mean, Obi Wan just became like a pile of rags. Like true, <laughs> they're like really, really good. dramatic when they die. They're like ooh, and they poof. So that's like, a good call out. Actually, is like maybe Yoda turned around and then disappeared. Maybe like, that was a subtle callback too, because she just like dices through him. It like, could have been something where she was tackling with his memory right yeah that's what my thought was but he could have really been there but it was like very like i guess he was really there because the droids were there i don't know yeah he says to her um you did well my apprentice you are the sith Sith master now um and then she kind of repeats she says this earlier she says i said i'm no sith which Mm. is a callback to the uh the Ahsoka line of I'm no Jedi. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And um, I just thought that that like kind of gave me like that gave me oh, chills. Um, but in that moment, it's kind of interesting because it even though she's not a Sith after that happened. And I did. I rewatched this part. Her eyes go from like a different color back to the Sith yellow. Yeah. Like or gold or like whatever it mm-hmm. is. Or maybe it's like more. Maybe it was more intentionally supposed to be like the color of her lightsaber. I but also- like. It, it, they change mm-hmm. and that's like a that is a and he had yellow eyes too yeah sith we've talked about this before sith just get yellow eyes they just get yellowed out they get jaundiced yeah and but then so at the end of the episode they're leaving she basically is like we we can't stay here anymore like we have to go she Which says makes me wonder if he's still alive and potentially still being tracked potentially um but she says I'll be okay. But he was right about one thing. I am the master now, and I can paint my own destiny. I love that. It's so cool. And then she flies into the sky, and as she flies off, the darkness of like space kind of melts away, and it turns back to that that light. Mm-hmm. And we have a a blue planet. We have <laughs> in the middle. We have this bigger kind of orange, kind of going from like like yellow to red planet and then mm-hmm. we have a red planet and it's like this balance right of like the light and the dark yeah and- it's also like one thing that jedi and sith never really get to handle is that they're so enamored with destiny and fate yes but the only people that are truly masters of it are those who decide not to be controlled mm-hmm. by either of their sects yeah which and, is really cool in the last kind of piece that she paints too is this well, she painted a picture of him. She did paint a picture of him, but she also paints like this this hand holding mm-hmm. her lightsaber with both hilts. Yeah. Uh, or not both hilts, but both lightsabers. Lightsabers yeah, lit up. Um, and it's like she's like right in the middle. Like she's holding it right in the middle, obviously. And part of like a painter, um, I could be totally wrong about this, but uh, so edit it out if I'm wrong. But part of like paint and art is that you need to have like white and black, negative light and dark. Space. And yeah, are very important to the composition yes. of an art piece and you need to have to have both of them. And there is this common misconception that, I mean, obviously like in the rainbow and the spectrum of light, 
black is a negation of color, but in painting and in art and in liquid form, it is very important. Yeah. It, it is a it is a common tool that you use just as you use white light and dark to create a spectrum of color on your palette and so i was even on like a basic level like thinking about what she's trying to do in the beginning of like getting rid of the darkness what happens when you paint when you try to paint over like a black like Mm -hmm. something that's like you painted black with Mm -hmm. white it's hard like it Mm -hmm. it doesn't cover it up like so it's like they there's so much like and i'm i'm not i'm not knowledgeable about painting or design or anything like that at all but i know like i've heard like i know terms like you know negative space Mm -hmm. and things like that and i think that like there's a lot of play with that right in this in this interpretation and i think it goes to that kind of jedi philosophy and sith philosophy and i wanted to touch on kind of it being sith as well i think it's so fucking cool that lola is an artist and that her sith journey is kind of told through art the first line of the sith code is peace is a lie there's only passion. And like, I think when you think about passion, I think one of the things that a lot of people probably equate to passion is like artistic pursuits, mm-hmm. right? Well, like emotion, emotion and like how you get those emotions out and things like Anger that. Anger is something you cannot deflect from because it creates art. Yeah. Love is something you cannot deflect from because it creates art. It's like, it's the ultimate like way to like give into that of mm-hmm. like translating your passion into something, mm-hmm. um, which is what she does. Um, and I also think that like, it's really cool. Like, I feel like her journey follows kind of the Sith code a little bit. So yeah. the first line, like I said, peace is a lie. There's only passion through passion. I gain strength. So if mm-hmm. we take passion to mean like artistry or something like that, she gains mm-hmm. her strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall set me free. And I don't know where this originally came from, but this was definitely in KOTOR. Um, I don't, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't remember where it originally, because but that's. you, you pull together the, you go through an old yeah. Sith temple and you, you collect all of these and you have to put them in order. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was like a really cool thing as I was kind of like researching for this episode. And mm-hmm. again, it's the, the episode is called Sith. Like mm-hmm. it is, I think like. But it's less about, it's, it's the, like you said, it's the exact journey of what Ahsoka found. It's like the Sith haven't figured it out yeah. either. They're, they're both on extreme sides. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like politics, too. Yeah. You have to kind of take a nuance from both sides. You have to have a combination of those things. It was really, honestly, like, I, when I say, like, I was, like, rejuvenated by this episode, like, it Mm -hmm. really feels so, like, it's such a fresh, um, it's, and it's so, it's so ideological is the wrong word. Like, it's so open to interpretation in Mm -hmm. so many ways. Like, they... One thing that I really love about what they did with this was they didn't, like, have, like, a one kind of core message. Yeah. Like, that it was, like, this is what we're trying to tell you about. Like, there's mm-hmm. so many different, like, ways you could, like, rewatch this and look at this and, like, get something new from it each time. Like, we, one thing, like, I didn't even do was, like, spend that much time looking at, like, some of the, like, paintings, like, the actual paintings that she painted. Like, there was, like, a hand coming up. Mm-hmm. There were, like, lily pads. Like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. what do those things represent? They had to have been chosen. And then the, there's, Well, like- Lily, I've told you this before, because I just finished watching Drag Race, but lily pads or lotuses, which lily pads are connected to, mm-hmm. grow out of darkness. So, I mean, I don't know if that's the juxtaposition, but that is something that... Those flowers grow out of darkness. Interesting. Um, I don't even know if there's necessarily, there might even be like her name, Lola. Like there might be something behind that 
as well. Um, the only thing that comes to mind with Lola is Run Lola Run, um, which is a German film. Um, but anyway, like I think it's a German film. Maybe I'm wrong about that now. I need my film studies minor credentials taken away. Um, but but no, I mean I think I think that's those that's the type like this is the type of shit that like gets me like just like mm-hmm. fucking fired up and jazzed up is it's like there's so much there's so much that you can like interpret like not everything is spelled out for you you can like look at it from like five different angles and like see mm-hmm. something different and that in and of itself that's a lot of times like what a- that's what abstract art yeah. is a lot of the times you know what I mean? in mm-hmm. art in general like like interpretation interpretation personal interpretation personal experience and understanding yeah. yeah um and i think too the other thing about it too is like the passion piece like we we're mm-hmm. talking about like the sith the sith like you know passion part of the code mm-hmm. um you know that really just like shines through i think in terms of like who she is and wanting to just like set herself um set herself free mm-hmm. um was there anything else that we haven't touched on in this episode that you wanted to talk about no i i think i really love everything we talked about yeah i think it was a perfect i honestly discussion. like i know i say this a lot when it comes to like new star wars stuff they're just doing such a like fucking bang up job with animation like this this is like one of the this is like one of the, like the most ambitious yeah but also like just good successful successful like Mm -hmm. star wars things like animated things that they've done like i really really enjoyed this i think i think it's rewatchable i think it's um like i said you can look at it from so many different angles it tells so many different stories and it's like it's also beautiful because it has so much representation in it like so much culture that's what star wars is yeah becoming and it's great i'm glad you said that because you just segued perfectly into the last thing mm, that I wanted. Day. Perfect segue. The, I wanted to actually wrap on this quote from Rodrigo um, from the filmmaker focus again. And and I, again, I just want to encourage everyone. If you are interested in it, just go watch these because they're super short, but like they also just give you so much like depth of mm-hmm. knowledge to really appreciate like what we're getting, especially something that is a little more abstract, like, um sith which i I don't think you need to have like any kind of knowledge to appreciate it like it still works but i think it does give it like so much more depth which i really appreciated um anyway he says george lucas created a mythology that is embraced by many people around the world for me star wars is, is is not star wars it's la guerra de las galaxias that's how i grew up with them and i just thought that was so that's such a beautiful quote yeah. and like just encapsulates like what like visions can be and what it does. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, I think like that is like the ultimate, like that is the ultimate like standard. I think for something that is that, sh- that star Wars should be, it's not something that should be safe and, acce- and accessible by everyone, but it should be something that like pushes boundaries and like brings in other voices, mm-hmm. you know, and like helps, you know, people like get connected with it. So I just thought that was a really, a really cool quote Love that he it. had. So incredible. Anyway, that is it for today's episode. We are at Distant Echoes SW on Twitter and Instagram, or you can find each of us individually. Cassie, where are you located in this galaxy? Primarily on Twitter and Instagram at Cassie Thulu. And I am at Awkward Comma. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please, if you like what we're doing, go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can rate. Those really help us. And we'd love it if you dropped us a five-star review or whatever. Yeah. 
tune in next time when we paint along to Bob Mall's Joy of Painting series. Paint those little happy spiders. Yeah, we're going to have those happy spiders. I don't know what, that's not how Bob Ross sounds, is it? Nope. I can't happy trees. But, happy trees. But, but they're spiders. Goodbye. Hold on. Cracking open a cold one with the boys.